everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. It is Tuesday, April 23rd. Today we are in the book of Acts 19. Um, we hope you guys had a great Passion Week, a great Easter, great time with your family, um, great time to remember everything that Jesus did for us. Um, so anyway, we are now out of Passion Week and we are back to normal life, I guess, right? I, I need a nap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I think all of us need a nap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, being on a church staff, it is a little bit exhausting getting ready for a passion, but we love it, man. We oh, love yeah. uh, we love preparing for all that stuff because it's so important. So um, what have you guys been up to real quick? Passion week. <laughs> that's it? Yeah, literally, yeah. that's it, right? <laughs> yeah, that Easter. Uh, my parents have been in town. They live in South Carolina, and so that's been really cool. They get to stay all the way through Easter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was uh, fun to... Uh, hang out with them, have a good time there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, our house was a little bit crazy for a little bit because they were yeah. staying there and sleeping on an air mattress, you know, which is <laughs> always the, the kind thing to do to your parents, right? Uh, but, uh, but anyway, so, so yeah, so it's been it's been busy, but it's it's fun, it's full of life, so which is which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, and as as far as for me, we we visit family and, and do all those kinds of egg hunts and all those things. Mm-hmm. But really, I guess everybody that goes to ECC knows. But I mean, I guess our listeners that are oh, in yeah. other places, I, we haven't talked about that. That I can't, I can't back these guys up and say like, you, you guys are pastors here, you guys work here, and you got, you know, and say and say things like that because they hired me. So, yeah, you know. yeah, he can't be nice to us anymore from the outside. He's one yeah. of us now. Ex- yeah, he is. Right. <laughs> We've converted him to the so, dark side. So since this is a new thing for me, uh, uh, you know, kind of coming on just you know a couple weeks before this this Passion Week thing, trying to to figure out all the the newness. And then get thrusted right into Passion Week. Uh, I'm tired. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of you know that's what I've been working on. So well, you've done well, and yeah. we are very happy to have you with us. Oh, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm extremely excited to to be with you all. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 you guys know uh, Michael has come on as our interim, right? Is that what yeah. it's actually called right now? Interim leader of the kids ministry, which is hilarious since we just studied about how some some interns came and. Uh, and, <laughs> and remove out a dead body. Stuff, yeah. He does. He's our, he's removes our dead bodies. And, and and trust me, the guys have made sure that they know that I know that I'm on that level. Uh, <laughs> we, we've already had. He gets those the jokes. water, carries the balls for us. Terrible. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a six month thing, which he's a which freshman. is which which is a wise it's a wise thing you know for us to do to make sure that we're doing the right things. <laughs> it's funny me saying it, but make sure we hire the right person. You know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's what's going on. Just it's a safe, it's a smart, a smart move that we're doing. Just to make sure we, uh, everybody's working on the same page. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's great having you here with us, man. We we love having you on staff with us now, and um, we're really excited. And and all the stuff that we've talked about, we can we can start to move forward with a lot of that now. Things have been on hold for a little yeah. while, so now that you're here, we can really um, start to move. So anyway, um, do you guys have anything else you want to get into before we start into the reading for today? No, I think that I think that hits it. Well, I mean, just a background. Except for what yeah. Daniel has. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sure. We'll just do a little background. Um, a little context. So, yeah, uh, Paul is going on uh, his uh, missionary journeys right now. And um, so he's going from town to town, uh, Athens, Ephesus, Corinth, uh, Thessalonica, uh, all these different areas. And so you're getting kind of these stories of Paul and his journey. Uh, Luke is one of his companions, and that's why he's documenting all of this uh, that Paul is kind of going through. And so... Um, one thing to notice is that 
the Holy Spirit has called Paul to this area, has called Paul to Macedonia in this area. Uh, Paul was trying to go to different areas, and the Holy Spirit was, was pushing him in this direction. And so the Holy Spirit is leading Paul in planting churches all in these areas and ministering to these churches. And what's great is that Paul has such an intimate relationship with these people to where uh, when he's actually in prison, when he's in house arrest, especially in Rome, he is able to write letters to yeah. these churches. Mm-hmm. And these ch- these letters are what composes a lot of the New Testament, a lot of the uh, uh, a lot of points of uh, theology, and like I mean, so much application that we have to the Gospels is given to us by Paul when he's writing letters to encourage these churches. And so this is cool. This is great that we're seeing kind of the beginning building of this process and of the relationship and of the hard things that Paul has to go through, but how much he toils. And then uh, when he's thrown in prison, he's able to then make some of his greatest contribution to. Uh, our faith to Christianity by the letters that he's able to write to these churches. So I, I think that's just awesome to kind of you know, see throw something on. in since I said I wasn't going to. <laughs> um, I think it's interesting that you mentioned that is that before, before the, all this stuff happens with, with Paul, we also see the church going through some good stuff because of bad stuff earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, when Stephen is stoned, um, to death. That's, to death, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, to not, death. <laughs> yeah. He didn't go to Denver. Y'all y'all know what I mean, man. Come on. No, but so when that happens, he the they they disperse, right? So they were like in Jerusalem, they were all together, and I'm ignoring the guys laughing right now. <laughs> we're just trying to step away from our mics. <laughs> but but no, that as they they all disperse, they and they they started in Jerusalem. Mm. And and there's this this movement that is kind of stationary. And that makes sense cuz Jesus said to start there and then move out. Well, he, they kind of got forced in it because well, crud, people are dying. So mm. so that the the point I'm bringing up is that that tragedy caused Christians to just explode and move from one place to the other. And then that's and that's where we see Paul, he continues that explosion mm-hmm. that he's planting churches, you know, away from Jerusalem. And like you said, he's called out. And then bad things happen to Paul. And that through those bad things he writes and it and so I guess the theme I'm saying is that I think it's interesting that they don't just give up. You know, bad things happen and because of bad things, better things happen in the future. Mm-hmm. Like that's really cool how these guys react that way. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and get into today's reading of Acts 19 from the Dwell app. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about twelve men in all. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them 
and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Siva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. And fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Now after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth, and you see and hear that not only in Ephesus but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there is danger not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. When they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! So the city was filled with the confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him. And even some of the Asiarchs, who were friends of his, sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Now some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not know why they had come together. 
some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward. And Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours they all cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! And when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is temple-keeper of the great Artemis, and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky? Seeing then that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here, who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. If therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen with him have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open, and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular assembly. For we really are in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. All right, that brings us back from Acts 19. Uh, what did you guys want to talk about first here? Well, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the sons of Sceva. I think that's pretty cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, this is not going to be any application at all. But uh, it, I is, just, it is funny, though. It is. I mean, like, it's like they're the first Ghostbusters, right? I mean, they come in and they, they like, are like, you know, seven dudes that are like the dun 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 dun. dun. Somebody's like demon possessed and they come in and they try to cast out these demons and, and one of them turns on them and just like beats them up and one of them runs out naked which is to me the the big application is that um is that there's like this is the you know this is actual documentation like this is the truth that we that that this is an eyewitness accounts because people just don't make up stories like that they don't make up that seven guys that were trying to cast out demons uh, all got beat up by one of these dudes and ran out naked, you know? And so that's like, to me, like, that's like, okay, that happened. And that's what we talk about. Like, cause if I was at work and then all of a sudden something happened and you saw some guy get beat up and run away naked, you'd yeah. be like, you'd Hey honey, down. just so you know, work was crazy today. This is what <laughs> happened. You know what I mean? And so yeah. this is just one of those instances where we get to have a lot of confidence in, uh, in the, the historical documentation and what is written in our scriptures, because they take events like this that aren't that you don't you, they're not made up. You don't make up events like this uh, when you're putting together like a story or a fable or something like that. And something similar to that is is earlier in in this chapter. They're talking about baptism. You know, the fact that they're like, okay, so were you guys baptized? Well, we were baptized under John. Where were you baptized? So you were baptized with Jesus, and like, oh, we're going to rebaptize. Like that can sound confusing. Yes. And you know what? The fact that it could be confusing, if this was fake, you wouldn't include that. Yeah, or, I mean, there were so many instances of that. Like, even, like, if this was something made up by the disciples, they would never paint themselves in bad lights. If you're trying to, like, make yourself famous, you would never talk about the fact that Jesus called one of the leaders of the church— you know, Satan while he was following Jesus, you know, I mean, Jesus called Peter. He's like, get behind me, Satan. Like, you don't 
you don't write you don't write about that when you're making something up. But it is totally believable when John's like, and I'm faster than Peter, y'all. I am yeah. I'm the fastest there ever was, you know. And, and so I think it's important for us to 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 recognize, you know, when we're reading these scriptures to to take notice of these kind of it almost seems like random facts, right? But really what it is is it's it's people telling accounts. Yeah. And and random facts account are are in, you know, our accounts because like it's like well, this this happened and this was really strange and so we're just going to write it and document it. And and so that can give us confidence if somebody's saying like, well, okay, well this is written a long time ago, this is probably not true, whatever it is, and kind of dismiss it. You can just say like this is not what you get in fictional accounts. You don't get this kind of very attention to, to different types of details or, you know, if somebody's making it up, they're going to always make themselves look in a better light than if they are, you know, and if they're, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Looking up towards our, our, our lights that we have in here, uh, they're going to try to, you know, try to give themselves, put themselves in, in a good light, uh, instead of saying, Oh, you know, Hey, we're, you know, this is all the times that we've messed up, you know, but we, we also mentioned, you know, uh, off, off the mic earlier talking about actors, and, and and about how good actors and bad actors and stuff, like with this Sons of Skeva thing, I love the line. I, I can I can imagine people trying to to perform that line. Uh, where, where is it? The the evil spirit answered, well, "Jesus, I know, and Paul, I recognize, but who are you?" See, that's terrible acting right there, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Well, I love it. It's the, a the great way, line, though. And, and like the way that they uh, they say, you know, they talk about like, you know, I abjure you or I cast you out kind of in the name of Jesus whom Paul proclaims, you know. And that's interesting to me, too, is that they're they don't really own it like they're they're seeing how people are doing it and yeah. then they're just mimicking it. There's not like the actual like power of the Holy Spirit working in them because they have a personal relationship with Jesus. They're just saying, hey, Paul does this in Jesus' name, and so, so we're do doing the same thing yeah. in Jesus' name. And the Ghostbusters, you know, the, the New Testament Ghostbusters do, doesn't end well for them. And so I think that's, even though this is kind of a funny story, I think that's a really big application when it comes to uh, how we follow Jesus. Are we following other people that are following Jesus and kind of mimicking them or are we actually following Jesus and like in letting him guide our steps and having that personal access and that personal relationship with Jesus? Because it's it's going to be a totally different, um, you know, you're going to when you follow somebody that is is themselves following Jesus and you're just mimicking them. You're missing out on all of the leading and the acting that the Holy Spirit can do on your behalf, especially because we're so wired differently and the Holy Spirit uh, and God who made us in our mother's womb know yeah. exactly like what we need, how we process things, what we're built for, what his plan and purpose is for us. And if we follow somebody else, we're going to just follow in, in, in their footsteps and we're going to almost kind of elevate them to that place of, of Savior and Lord. And, and that's such a dangerous thing to do when we give you know, somebody else that kind of access to us. So here, kind of- here's the thing, though, that <laughs> when you think about application— what does that look like when we're when we're truly it's not like we're following Peter's Christ, you know, when it's like when it's real. And the reason why I say what does it look like is this gets into an un- uncomfortable conversation about dispensationalism and all these things. What can I don't want to say what can we do, but what, what can God actually do through us? Because here in Acts, we see guys, we see some craziness. Oh, okay? yeah. We we, <laughs> we see ridiculously awesome miracles, 
And so this is something that I've kind of struggled with. I, I know what Liberty's answer might be, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I've been struggling with you know trying to understand this myself. Um, what can we actually do? I mean, can we actually heal people? And I and again, it's not us healing people. So don't hear that the wrong way. I think you guys know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Can can Jesus can, can the Holy Spirit heal through Daniel? Or can Daniel heal through the Holy Spirit? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, like I'm a vessel, the Holy Spirit's yes, working yes, through me yes. and then uh, I'm able to like participate in somebody and so, else's and so, healing. I mean like cuz these guys were trying this and failing. Mm-hmm. So it is our failure that like their failure. Or, or is, you know, see what I'm saying? Is is our failure because we're not truly rooted in Christ? What what is actually possible? I think you're bringing up a really great point here, Michael. In that, where is the source of the power that we have? Right. That's the first thing. Yes. Yeah. Because if the source is what we're seeing somebody else do, and we're just mimicking them, then eventually that's going to fall apart. There's a really crazy verse, uh, and I, I can't think of it right now, but it's talking about, it's doing the account of David and the account of Solomon. And it says that David followed God. David followed the, the ways of the Lord, and it said Solom, Solomon followed the ways of his father David. And so it's really interesting because David was was pursuing God and was following what God, Solomon was following his dad, his earthly father, mm-hmm. and using that as kind of his benchmark. And so David, and he's not perfect, and so he doesn't have like a like a, just a, a clean record of, of being a king. You know, he doesn't, he messes up. Being, being a new E-Kids director, <laughs> David probably wouldn't pass the background check to work in the nursery. I'm yeah, just saying. Yeah, he's, yeah he's, he doesn't have, he has a sordid history, but... What happens is you, uh, with Solomon, uh, even though he's very wise, he has this this awful deterioration of his values to the point where he plunges Israel into a civil war and it divides permanently. You know, and yeah. and, and that is, you know, you see this kind of uh, this this part where you're, where it starts to just fall apart. You know, and and I think that when we when we try to mimic or when we try to receive faith from our parents as opposed of faith in Jesus, then that will eventually fail and that will eventually break down, you know, because we don't, we, there's not, you know, that we're, we're mimicking our parents. And then when our parents maybe fall short or we, or something doesn't work out, that faith kind of crumbles because it doesn't have a solid foundation. Right. And so, and I think that we, that is kind of this, an application that can come out of here is that you have Paul who's rooted in the fact that he's got the Holy Spirit and the power of Jesus working through him. And he is, I mean, handkerchiefs and aprons are being touched by Paul and it's like healing people. Like, it's like, boom, like what the heck? And then you have, you know, and then you have these guys, these sons of Sceva that are just doing it in the name of Paul and and it falls, it falls so short. It falls so short of power. And, and so to answer your question or kind of go back to it, I yeah. think that that we have so much, we have the same access and same power of the Holy Spirit because there's nothing to, to me that would say that the, the power of the Holy Spirit has diminished over the years. But I think that it's, it's whether the Holy Spirit really has full access to us. Is, and, that, is, and that's is what I was trying challenge. to get is, is what you thought there. Because there are people that that, that believe in dispensationalism. And, and I'm not saying that's right or not saying that's wrong. Will I'm you just, explain that? Because some people may not know what that yeah, means. And it's it's hard for me to explain, too. It's kind of confusing. But there are different dispensations, like different, almost like different periods. Mm-hmm. Um, different covenants 
So we see different covenants in the Old Testament, and we see different you know periods in the New Testament. And basically, the bottom line for this question is that some believe that there was like an apostolic dispensation, meaning that the apostles had these powers, and that, and this is what God intended for for them at this time as the church was being started there was a purpose they needed to have these miracles and once this the apostolic age ended these miraculous things ended so there are people that believe that miracles don't exist anymore that's the wrong way of saying it no that, I, that but, daniel that god is not going to heal someone through that conduit of daniel you yeah, know like that like he did with like peter yes. and paul yeah that that god can still heal you can pray for people and god can heal and miracles can still happen but they don't happen through people like they did here and 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 that's kind of what i was taught um i'm not sure if i go for that yeah i i don't go for that either and the reason i don't go for that is for me there's there is a very you almost make god impotent in the moment and and, and to you put me, him in a box that is a very dangerous place to be because when we start to box God into something, we begin to almost start to live on our own religious system. And we live, we live on sight, we live on traditions, we live on different things because God, is, he's not limited by those things at all. And, and when we put him in a, in, a, in, a, in a box, that will, one, it will isolate us from other people because we'll begin to push people out who are, don't fit in the box because and and it will push us away from what God is doing because Absolutely. God doesn't fit in our God box, and, and so I think that that's a really um, that's a really dangerous place to be. But you're right. I mean, there's people that they they see this, and I guess it's kind of more of like I see this, but I don't see this now in my life, so that can't be. And really, I think it's more that it's about the Holy Spirit having access to our life and what we what we allow God to do through us because God uh, there's a, we've had a, a ministry called RLI come, come here. And one of the things that the leader Bren Kelly says is that God is a gentleman, that Jesus is a gentleman that he won't push into you. If you don't allow him, he will knock at the door, but he waits for you to open and he waits yeah. for you to allow him to come into your life and allow him to have access to your life. And, you know, there's, you know, there's a choice within all of us of, how far we really want God to have access to our life. Are we content with what we have and what we can see and what we can touch and what, you know, what's safe. And, and I think that that's, uh, that can be, I think that's something that really challenges. I think the, honestly, I'll call it the God of comfort is really something that challenges our North American kind of church is that we just, we would prefer staying comfortable than we would maybe prefer being like completely empowered by the Holy spirit. And I know that's a journalization and I don't mean that, and as a, as like a whole, like, this is what the church is like now. But I think that there is always going to be this pull towards being comfortable, uh, being safe, um, not kind of stretching out of our boundaries or, you know, pushing ourselves to, to where the Holy Spirit might be leading us or calling us to. Yeah. Um, uh, so, and then there's, I mean, there's also a really crazy, uh, riot that's taking place here in Ephesus. And we have this guy, Demetrius, who's a silversmith. And so he is a guy that makes idols. So he he uh, uses his craftsmanship to make idols, uh, little trinkets and little things for Artemis, who is the god of Ephesus. And I think it's uh, Ephesus is a really wealthy town. And so I think Artemis has to do with wealth and prosperity. And so there is a uh, there's Artemis who's who's uh, uh, who's worship there, and that's the main god in Ephesus, among other gods. And Demetrius is a guy who's been making a lot of money off of making things for this, and he's realizing that 
man, they're losing business because people are following Jesus and not buying idols. You know, they're, they're following the way. And so he starts like getting this whole kind of, uh, riot and starts to stir up the crowd. And these guys are like chanting. It's kind of like when you think of yourself in a stadium and some, and somebody starts chanting like MVP or something like that. It's like they start doing that, but they do this for hours and it's like the whole town and they're just saying great is Artemis of the Ephesians great is Artemis of the Ephesians and there's this mass confusion that's kind of going out and the Jews that are there they're kind of hoping to kind of capitalize on this by pushing this guy Alexander to kind of tell him what's going on and then they realize that he's Jewish and then they get mad and they start yelling again and it's this more like kind of chaos that's kind of taking place and I think that Uh, An interesting observation that I can see here is that the world uh, and when you're you're following things like wealth or different things like that, it's such it's such a fragile balance of worship, because if something messes it up just a little bit, it causes a tailspin in your life. Uh, For example, the all the stuff that happened when the stock market crashed in 2000, like like dropped in 2008. And all like the stuff that it was such a huge collapse in our economy. And there was just so many people of, of, of high wealth and that had been at high power levels of different things just committing suicide, like killing yeah. themselves because it was such a fragile thing that they were holding on to. This whole hope that their wealth was going to be the thing that was going to sustain them, it was going to make them have sense and purpose. And so I think that you see this, the riot in Ephesus is almost like this, um, this kind of cry for some sort of stability when it comes to when we try to make something else our, our source of significance, our source of well-being, and in its chaos, you know, it's just this kind of it's these people that are all just kind of yelling and all kind of getting in a frenzy and a stir, and because something precious to them is being threatened. And something that they feel like is either their livelihood or uh, their hope or their identity. And I think we have that a lot in our culture. We have that a lot where as soon as something happens and something like threatens something that we hold dear, whether it could be politics, you know, a different president in office, um, like different laws that are passed. It could be, you know, a job shift. It could be an econ- the shifts in the economy. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. And it can get people in this kind of frenzy when they feel like there is like this instability happening or there's something that they've built their life on is beginning right. to shake and beginning to crumble. And and so I think that there is, that is, we're going to experience that because when we, st- when we tell people about Jesus, we're shifting their hope. We're shifting their identity. We're shifting the way they do life and the way they live and the way they spend their time and money and energy. That is, is a radical shift and that is a huge change that can cause a lot of this kind of pushback and and chaos and and so i kind of see that even though this is just kind of a a weird instance it's interesting to me that that is kind of it's it's kind of revealed like that that um that internal kind of uh, instability when it comes to hoping in different things and you know, I think that well, that's not just here. That's the that seems to me to be the theme of the entire chapter. Yeah, because if you look at the beginning with Paul in Ephesus, you have this whole who are you who are you baptized under? Mm. So are, is it under, are you baptized under John? Or are you baptized under Jesus? Mm. I know that can be confusing, but but hear me. There's that that identity. Who who are you in? Yeah, you know. And then and then with the sons of Sceva, you you have that 
it's, it's funny, you know, the, the spirit saying that classic line, Jesus, I know, I know, and Paul, I recognize, but who are you? Mm-hmm. It's obvious that they're not in Jesus because he's not recognizing Jesus in them. Yeah. And then, of course, you get down to the story that we're talking about here at this riot and, and these, these, these issues of identity as well. And I, I think, I, I guess to really to wrap this thing up, um, I think that'd be the question I'd, I'd want to put out to our listeners is, who are you rooted in? Mm. Are you rooted in yourself? Are, how do you identify? Cause, you know, I was. I, you guys know that I teach Chinese kids, mm-hmm. right? And um, one of the things in one of my classes that I was covering is how you introduce yourself. And the way that my text was kind of making me teach this is that, you know, you, you, you tell them what you do. You know, my name is John and I'm a doctor. You know, my name is Jamie and I'm a police officer, mm-hmm. right? Is that how we are? Mm. Do we identify as what we do? What do you say? You're a walrus? I say I'm a walrus, exactly. Yes, because you know, they, get, sp- to see, they the get to see your tusks. <laughs> <laughs> but you see what I'm saying, Daniel? Yeah. Like, we, we tend to identify. And, and a lot of times parents, like, oh, my, my name's Michael. I'm Christian and Noah's dad. You know, mm-hmm. I about said Christian knows mom. That had been really messed up. <laughs> but you know, the bearded but, lady. <laughs> <laughs> but we do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, and 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 mm. and I'm bad with this as well. If someone was to ask me, you know, oh, so so who are you? Yeah, I'm I'm Michael, mm. and I probably wouldn't say, you know, I'm I'm Michael. I'm a I'm a believer in Jesus. That wouldn't be my first response. Mm-hmm. But maybe maybe it should be. You know, and I, I think you you bring up a really great point, Michael. And I think that there is a. There, we have to start asking the right questions because I think this is a process of self-discovery to find out like what we're rooted in. Um, and I think you can look at this chapter and see different areas or different questions to ask. You know, the first, I think, is especially since we're followers of Jesus, you have to ask you, like, you have to yourself, where is your faith rooted? You know, is your is your faith rooted in the resurrection of Jesus? Or is oh, it just, man. the is, is your faith rooted in the fact that you just, you know, you don't want to die and go to hell? You know, is it rooted in this kind of repentance and fear, which is part of the process? Repentance is absolutely part of their process. But is it is it also rooted in the fact that you are totally redeemed and have the grace of Jesus over you and through you? That's, That'll and I think, preach, Daniel. That'll preach. And I think that's the first <laughs> part. But then the, the next is, you know, where did you get your faith from? Is your faith from your parents? Is your faith from your church? Is there faith from your pastor? You know, are you looking to your pastor to be the one that's going to give you faith wow, yeah. or are you, or you're, or are you, and that's like the, the sons of Sceva, they're trying to find their power and their faith through just going through the motions of what people are doing. Like, I think that sometimes we even have that with prayer, right? People will mimic the way other people pray because they think that that's, they're saying the right words. And that's not what prayer is. Prayer is just this open conversation that you're having with God. And we yeah. had that conversation last week about prayer, which is awesome. And then I think the last section really hits to the emotions. What, what, what keeps you up at night? What is the thing that you worry about the most? What is the thing that, well, if it happens, will turn you like flip you from like being okay to being really angry. You know, what are some things that are, uh, make you really sad? What are some things that like, like, like will drive feelings of like loneliness or things like that? Those kind of emotions are like smoke to a fire to maybe find out, okay, where is the idol in my life? Where is the thing that I'm worshiping or hoping in that is going to have that? Because if you're hoping that you're going to find your identity in your kids, then that's going to be the thing that's going to drive you to fear, worry. And idols aren't always bad. Idols are bad things, but like 
some things the that actual idols like, yes, like like kids are not bad not things, bad things but, but when it's, we worship it's how them. we worship them. yes when yeah. we worship things instead of worshiping god we turn good things into idols yeah yeah and so i think that like michael you bring up a really great point here about let's let's ask that question let's ask that self reflecting question of first is your faith rooted in the resurrection of jesus because if it's rooted in anything else it's not going to have the power it's not going to have the power is your is your conception of faith built on other people or is it built on who the character and nature of Jesus and God the Father are? And are you allowing other things to take to uh, define who you are or put your hope in because you'll find yourself heading towards emotional instability almost when that's kind of happening? And sure, I mean, it's not that we're supposed to be like muted people. Like we're supposed to have emotions. We're supposed to have joy, sadness. We're supposed to have all of those things. But what are the things that are kind of generating that? Is it generating from, you know, a stress about our finances, you know? And is that just like, is that driving us to just great amount of worry, affecting our health, affecting the way we interact with our family, you know? Mm-hmm. And maybe that maybe that means that we're really hoping that that's going to be the thing that's going to save us, just like Demetrius, the silversmith, yes. and how it just got, it just, and then, it turns into absolute chaos. It's just such a breakdown of humanity when we begin to worship the wrong thing. Yeah. Well, on that, Dan, you mind if I if I close this out? Yeah, that would be awesome, oh, man. We'll go ahead. Let's let's pray. So uh, join me in prayer, <clears throat> dear Jesus. We thank you for uh, this opportunity, Lord, just to to study your word, to to learn, and to um to to learn how to apply these things to our lives more than just reading the words on the page. And and, and as we apply this stuff, Lord. We see this identity thing as a real thing. Lord, help us to to be rooted in you and, and beyond like a metaphoric kind of thing of, of a vine and a root and all these things. Lord, help us to, to genuinely um, be rooted in you, like to think of, of you with our decisions. When we, when we decide to do things, help us to, to make those decisions based upon your will, not our will. Mm-hmm. Help us to make decisions not based upon our pet idol, but on the King that we actually worship. Yes. So Father, just just help us with that this week. Help us to to ask that question to ourselves: Who am I? Hmm. And and help us to find the right answers in You. Lord, we love You, and we thank You for these things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, I'll be Brent for a second because Brent actually stepped out, uh, so he has some stuff to do uh, uh, in preparation for all the stuff that we have coming up in the next weeks or so. But uh, I'll be Brent and say, All right. Well, that's our weekly impact podcast for today love uh, each other lo- yeah was it love each other yeah. go out be christ something like that yeah. enjoy the weather he's always <laughs> talking about like weather and stuff like yeah weather's nice go enjoy it have fun love on people we'll talk to you next week uh, 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 <laughs> bye <laughs>